Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lloyd. So we wanted to make it. We wanted to make it really simple this year. And uh, so on the on the back table, we we have a group sign up sheet where you can indicate: Are you interested in a home group or alpha? And this is not like an official sign up. If you're just interested, if you want more information, if you want to explore that a little bit, uh, fill this out. And then what you'll do is you'll fold it in half. I was going to fold it, but I'm not going to. Fold it in half and then put it in the uh, in the boxes either here in the worship center or in the lobby. So, um, so yeah, so do that and, and then you can let us know too, like what works for you. If you want to write like, hey, I have, you know, if you want to do a home group and there's certain nights that work for you, you can put that information on there. Um, Alpha is going to be Monday nights starting October 2nd and it's going to go 11 weeks, right, Lloyd? Is it 11 weeks? Yeah. So, but it's hey, it's great. We've done it before. Um, it's it's awesome, especially if you have big questions about faith and and what following Jesus looks like. It's such a great place because you're in a place where where everybody is asking questions and in and, and figuring it out. So I would recommend it. If you want to do both, go for it. Um, but uh, that's our our plan this fall. Let's uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time of the year as we kind of change. Uh, as we we kind of change back into whether it's it's work or, or routine or, or different things, just the fall. It's just a a nice time in the Northwest. And um, Lord, I pray that as we as we kind of focus um, on community today, that you would speak to us. God, that we'd be the church that you want us to be. Um, God, that we'd be a church that's connected to each other and connected to you. Um, that we'd be a church that cares deeply uh, for each other, that walks with each other intentionally, that makes time to, uh, to love and to care and to, um, to call each other. So, Lord, I pray for that as, as we open your word today, that you would speak, um, that you would go before us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're talking about how to church today. And the first thing I want to say is this, is that church is not something you attend. Church is us. Church is us. We are the church. We don't attend church. We are the church. Christ called us his body. We are the interconnected body of Christ carrying on the same ministry that he started 2,000 years ago. And so we as a people are people that God's brought together in unity, to serve on his mission, and to find fulfillment in the love that's in his community. Uh, if we try to find fulfillment in and of ourselves, on our own path, in our own way, we'll miss out on the fulfillment that God offers in being a part of his body and discovering who we were created to be. And so that's why we say the church is more than Sunday. Sunday is a great place to start. I love Sunday mornings. If I miss if I miss anybody during the week, hey, I got Sunday. Sunday is the time to worship and and uh, and praise God and connect with the community and 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 it's wonderful. But if you are in Christ, you belong to a greater body that we, that's called to be more than Sunday. And sometimes I know that church hasn't always made that easy. A few years ago, Bonnie and I were meeting with friends and talking about our, our different church experiences, and they had gone to a church for 10 years, the same church. And they said, you know, I like our church, but... So they said, I like our church, but they're the nicest people that you'll never get to know, is what they said. They're the nicest people that you'll never get to know. Like, we love Sundays. We love showing up. <laughs> 
but, but there's no invitation in. And there was something in their hearts that they were longing for. Like, we just want to be invited in. We want to be seen. We want to be connected with. And maybe you've had that experience too. Or maybe you like having like a Sunday experience and then, and then that's it. You might be somewhere in that mix, in that journey. But, but friends, my prayer is that that would not be our church. That as you connect with our church, that you get to know people on a deeper level. That people see you. They see where you're at. They care for you. And they intentionally walk with you. Because I think that's what God wants from us. God wants us to love each other well. And so this thing we're talking about today with home groups or alpha, it's just a step that, that we can take. And you might already be signed up, or this might be totally new, but it's just one step we can take to be intentional. Because if there's one thing that we might protect or neglect more than anything else, it's our time. And as you get older, sometimes the hardest thing to give people is your time. And so this fall, you have a choice. Am I going to make, am I going to make a choice to give my time to connect more into the body of Christ here in Blaine and just see what God will do? See what God will do as you open up your life to others. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this idea of opening up our life. And we're going to talk about growing through healthy vulnerability. And I, I purposely said growing through healthy vulnerability, not just vulnerability, because vulnerability is not always healthy, right? You got to be healthy with the right people, right? You got to be vulnerable with the right people in a healthy environment. Not many of us probably love the idea of vulnerability, um, but vulnerability and community means opening up our lives so that others can see us, see what's really going on, and care for us. God calls us into the risk of loving other people. Loving other people, even in the church, is a risk. But the Bible again and again focuses on love, especially in the church. And some of us may have hesitations when it comes to opening up our lives. Like, I'm good. You know, I don't need other people uh, checking on me. I, I like, uh, you know, I, I like where I'm at. Or maybe we've opened up our lives before and felt stung, like it just didn't go well. Uh, maybe we felt judged. Maybe we felt ignored. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to go to a passage in Matthew that might seem a little out of place for a message on community, but yet it strikes at the heart of why we can have healthy vulnerability in the church. It talks about why, it gives us, it gives us a platform for saying, yes, I, I can be vulnerable, I can open up my life. And it's, it's found in Matthew 18.1, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to read Matthew 18.1 through 6 this morning. It'll also be on the screen. Um, but to set the scene, Jesus comes into an argument that his disciples are having about which, maybe, maybe you've heard this before, but which one of them is the greatest? Which one of them is the greatest disciple, the greatest follower of Christ? That can happen when you get 12 guys together about anything, right? That's just in our nature. We are inherently competitive, a lot of us. Not all of us, but a lot of us. And so they were competitive about who was the best disciple, who was the best follower of Christ, who was going to be the most prized in the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to see what Jesus does 
And then we're going to talk about what that actually means for the church and what, what Jesus was trying to establish in his church. So this is Matthew 18, 1. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So that's the warning statement. Um, we'll get back to that. But let's set the stage. The disciples come at Jesus with a really pressing question. How do I become the best? How do I become the best Christian? How do I become great? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And what does that tell you about their hearts? They're a lot like us. They are a lot like us. They were wondering, God, what is in this for me? How do I climb the ladder as a Christian? How do I get my status elevated as a follower of Christ? And what that tells you is as you got these 12 disciples together, they started thinking about the idea of church like a business. We are the employees. Jesus is the boss. We do what he says, and we get rewarded. The disciples had given up their livelihoods to follow Jesus around. They had left their nets and followed him. They were fishermen, tax collectors. They left their livelihoods to follow him. So they want to make sure that, hey, I gave up my job for this. I want to make sure there's some reward in it. I want to make sure there's something for me. And that's only natural. All of us desire in our work to be affirmed or to be recognized, be rewarded. Uh, we have ambitions, we have goals, we have dreams. But as Jesus responds to his disciples, he makes it clear that he's not interested in running his church like a business. Jesus calls a young child over, and it says he placed the child among them. So here's your object lesson. Instead of just, instead of just uh, speaking straight to it, he takes a child and he places it among these men who are kind of posturing for importance. They're trying to posture for importance. And he, he places this child among them. And in this conversation about personal greatness, Jesus gives attention to a playful child who's probably unaware of all the, all the, the, the feelings in the circle. And, and so Jesus says, actually, this child is the most important. This child has it figured out more than you do. See, the truth is, Jesus wants his church to be a family, not, not a business. Jesus wants his church to be more like a family than a business. Yes, we have a mission. Jesus has given us a mission to love the world towards him, to, to, to share and proclaim the name of Jesus in our lives. But in the church, the most thing we're called to towards each other is love. The, the gospels... Uh, the New Testament makes that abundantly clear that the number one thing for the church is love of each other. 
the church was not supposed to run like the business. If the church ran like a business, a child would have nothing to offer. I mean, we said kids can't show up on demo day, which, you know, like, probably wouldn't be much help, right? Um, but you, you wouldn't have a kid, you know, he, he can't close out sales. He, he's not going to be the most strategic mind. You know, he's not going to move the sticks, as they say in football, right? But if we're a family, kids bring us joy. There is a freedom there where we just naturally love our kids, right? They're the life of the party. Kids are the life of the party. And so Jesus tells his disciples, if you really want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a child. Be innocent like a child. Love like a child. Be open like a child. Most kids that I know aren't thinking about their own importance or their resume. They just want to be loved, and they want to have fun. That's my experience with kids. Kids care about different things than adults. This week, something really interesting happened in our neighborhood. And Jordan, I'm sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, something really interesting happened in our neighborhood. Uh, one night, my kids just got on their bikes, and they decided to go take off. And they knocked on Jordan and Monica's door. They live at the end of our street. And uh, they had their son come out, and they were riding bikes. And so we just had three kids riding up and down this dead-end street in our neighborhood. And then about five minutes later, Bonnie elbowed me and said, hey, Jordan's out there riding his bike. And you know, you know what I felt in that moment? Dad guilt. <laughs> like, oh man. Jordan's riding his bike with his kids. I probably should be, too. So I got on my bike, and pretty soon I was riding up and down the street. And then another family, the whole family, started riding up and down the street. And then Monica jumped on her bike. We had like a bike parade going on on 11th Street, just kids and parents. And I remember just kind of, you know, I'm riding my bike and I look over at Eli, who's seven, and he just gives the biggest smile, you know, like this is cool. This is cool that everybody's riding their bikes and, and dad's right there with me. And I just thought about that because the adult in me doesn't think that's that important, right? The adult in me is like, I, I, I got too much to do. I'm not going to hop on my bike. But to a kid, that's the most important thing in the world. Let's just have fun. Let's just, let's just ride together. And it was just such a great reminder of the simplicity that God calls us to in following him. Like, what if we just love each other? And it's that simple. You know, what if we just ride together, you know? What if we just do stuff together? What could God do in the middle of that? And so in the middle of my busy week, it was such a reminder of like, no, this is really what's important. Taking time to be present. And of course, we want to take time to be present with our kids, but God wants us to take time to be present with each other as well. To show up and be present, to not treat each other like a checklist or a project, but to truly love, to truly see each other. To not think of a simple bike ride as a waste of time. That's the adult in us. Jesus wants us to think like kids when it comes to loving each other. And so I desperately want to grow more in that spirit of love as a community with you. And yes, groups are one way we can do that. It's not the be-all, end-all, but it is a step. Alpha is a step. Jesus, I think what it showed me is Jesus doesn't just want our, our big brains and our hard work. He wants our hearts. 
I was reminded of the the story in the New Testament, the story in the Gospels of, of Jesus and the two sisters, Mary and Martha, right? And Martha's busy working for God in the kitchen. You know, I'm doing all this stuff for you, Jesus, don't you see me? And Jesus says, Mary's chosen the better thing, to just sit at the feet of Jesus and just be present with him. How freeing is that? To know that God wants your heart more than your work, right? God wants your heart more than your work. God wants you to find meaning and security in his love in communion with, with the Father. God loves you so much that that frees you up to love simply, even like a child. And then we have this scary warning verse at the end. You know what that says? That God is so passionate about his vision for family that he will protect it at all costs. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, some of us read that and we think it applies to God's heart for kids, which it does. But if you notice what the verse says, it says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, qualifier, those who believe in me. Those who believe in me, Jesus protects his family. This applies to anyone who is a part of God's family. This is my first point. God is protective over his family, over his family being a family. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, then you are a part of the family of God, and God cares deeply about you, your, your physical self, your emotional self, and your spiritual self. He cares so much about you that he says it would be better for those who try to hurt you, lead you astray, that they'd be thrown into the sea with a giant millstone around their neck. Now, most of us don't use millstones today, um, but what they were in, in those times in a, in, a, in a farming culture, it was a giant stone that was, had two wood poles, and it was pushed by, by donkeys around in a circle, and it, uh, and it uh, mashed the grain. And you, uh, often they were so big that humans couldn't move them on their own. So if you put one of those around your neck and you were thrown into the sea, you're not coming back up. And that's the image that God gives us when it comes to his heart to protect those he loves. His heart to protect those he loves. God, God wants us to have this same level of care and concern for each other. That he loves, loves people so fiercely that he would do anything to protect them. That he'd watch out for their safety. I mean, I think sometimes people get burned out in their church experience because they wanted to go and feel loved, and instead they felt, like, used for what they could give to the church. And that's why it's so important that we get love right, that we actually lead with love, because we need to care more about each other as people than what, uh, what they can do for us or do for the church. And I know like, like any church, we've, we've never been perfect in this. We're still growing in this. But my heart is that we would truly learn to care for each other and love each other like Jesus loves us. Like the Father loves us. Because there are, there are people here that need your presence in their life. There are people here that need more of you in their life. You're not going to be able to be everyone's best friend. 
or let everybody in the world in, but there are people that you could let in, that you could love intentionally and specifically and with the heart of Jesus, and it would change everything for them. It would change everything for them, and that's the work that God's called us all to, and that's why healthy vulnerability is so important. It, there's vulnerability on the side of those who are invited in and also those who are inviting, right? My house is not clean all the time. So there's vulnerability on both sides. And when we, when we build relationships, people see the challenges in our lives. They see the struggles. They see the real us. And that is a good thing in the church. That is a good thing. God wants to work in that space. God wants to work on your heart through other people. And that can only happen if you're willing to let others in. And that's why I felt compelled to talk about healthy vulnerability today. God has called us to love each other and care for each other like family. And when that happens, when we realize the protective nature of God, that makes vulnerability a whole lot easier. When we know without a doubt that God is for us, that he is protective of us, that he's protective of our heart, soul, mind, and body, that, is, that makes it a whole lot easier uh, to be vulnerable. Somebody said that church needs to be a place safe enough for people to take a risk. You know, and that's true. We won't take a risk into community or serving unless we feel safe right? Unless we feel the love of God, unless we feel like, no, these people are for me. And, and that's, that's the place that I want to be. So my hope for you as you take a risk, whether it's groups or alpha or, or serving, whatever it is, that you would find the, the deeper sense of yourself in the community of God, that your risk would be rewarded with love and friendship, that we're not just trying to get a bunch of random people together. Like, I, I think that we soft sell this idea of community. What God's really calling us to is friendship, right? Friendship, deep friendship. People that you can share your life with. And so, yes, this is an opportunity for you, right? This is one opportunity, and there will be more opportunities. But pray, God, are you calling me to take a step this fall? Are you calling me to to get to know people I don't know right now? Like, is, is that, is, would this be a good use of my time? And see what God does with that. But let's zoom back to Jesus in Matthew 18 for a minute and the type of community he's calling the church to be. He says, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Again, does this apply to kids? Absolutely. Children are important in, in God's kingdom, just as important as adults. But he calls all of us to be, he calls all of us to welcome each other as kids, as little ones. Welcome, to be a, a place of welcoming. To, to the, welcoming is part of what we're called to do as the church, to welcome others into our lives. And so here's my next point, is that Jesus calls us to bring those who are on the outside of the circle and invite them inside. That's welcoming. That's the act of welcoming. Welcome them in. It's not just being friendly. It's being a friend. 
It's bringing people closer uh, to yourself. So ask yourself, who, who are you welcoming right now? Or who could God be calling you to welcome into your life? Because it takes intentionality. Sometimes we go through life and we hope friendships and community just happen, but they really do take steps. They really do take intentionality. They really do take time to, uh, to grow and to happen. And so that said, I just want to give a shout out to those with the gift of hospitality. Because they get this. If you, have the if you have the gift of hospitality, you should be up here preaching this message this morning. Because you have a gear that, that we, the rest of us don't. You love having people in your home. You love serving people. You love the conversations. And man, if you have the gift of hospitality, I just want to fan your flame this morning. <laughs> like, yes, you are unleashed to be hospitable. Let us know what I can bring to the potluck, you know. Um, but really, it's, it's people, it's that gift of hospitality that makes the church a family. Who can I invite in? Who can I welcome? There are some people who love hosting, who love it. I, I see it more as a hobby for myself. I'm working on it, you know? I wish I had the gift. But as I've met people with the gift, I realize, oh, I don't think I have that gift. I think other people have that gift. So I, we just want to fan that flame. I'll, I'll share somebody who I think does have the gift. Uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, there's somebody who came into the, the doors of this church uh, named Val. And Val is a, moved here to Blaine um, from San Francisco to plant a church in Vancouver. I'm going to give all sorts of geographical locations here. But he's originally from Brazil. And he, uh, he came up to Blaine, living here, getting some stuff worked out with his visa so he could plant a Brazilian church in Vancouver, which, which he has done. And uh, I, I, we used to meet for coffee, and I just loved hearing about his experiences because he'd planted churches in Brazil, in Colombia, in Greece, in San Francisco, and then Vancouver. I'm like, well, hey, man, I planted a church in Blaine, so... <laughs> Just saying. Here's a guy who's built community all over the world in all these different contexts with all these different languages. And, 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 and uh, just amazing. Like, wow. This, and you could just tell, like, he just loves people. And I invited him. To, we have a pastor's prayer group that meets on Wednesday. And we had somebody from the, the prayer center said, man, you know, uh, I love this group. I think you guys are the most united group of pastors in the county. And that really went to my head. I'm like, you know what? We are. We are. We are the most unified, awesome pastors in the county. And then I talked to Val. I was like, yeah, Val, you know, we, we get together. We, we're really, you know, we really love each other. And he's like, oh, well, um, do you guys meet in each other's homes? No. It's like, oh, well, well, in Brazil, we would be in and out of each other's homes all the time. Like, I knew, I knew wives and families, and we just really loved each other. I was like, well, I've been to a couple of the guys' homes a little bit. I felt really like, oh, well, no, maybe I'm not that cool. Um, you know, a handful of times. But no, he said, in, in Brazil, we are in and out of each other's lives all the time praying together, worshiping together in the evenings, and, and praying for each other when we got sick. I'm like, man, we got a long way to go, you know, if we're going to catch Val. Um, now, we, never, we might not ever be like Val, but what would it look, look like for us to become more like that church? 
a church that, that is in and out of each other's lives, a church that is just like living in sync uh, in the family and the love of God. And I think all the extroverts in the room are like, yes, amen, in and out of each other's homes. The introverts are like, eh, once a month, <laughs> twice a month, maybe. You know, this fall, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, this fall is, the, is, a, is an opportunity to, to intentionally welcome others into your life. Intentionally welcome new people into your life. Maybe you have a good sense of community. Who's on the outside that God wants you to bring inside? Even if it's just starting with once a week and seeing with what God, God does for an hour and a half a week. You might... You might go, and, and, and if you're struggling with that idea, you might need to go back to the protective heart of your Father God. Because, man, God knows that, that, that he calls you to vulnerable situations, and maybe what you need to hear this morning is that he's got your back, that he's watching out for you. I wanted to read Psalm 121, because if you, feel, if you ever feel fearful about what God's calling you to, connecting with new people, whatever it could be, pray Psalm 121. Pray this, this psalm, because it speaks to the protective love of God. This is Psalm 121.3. He says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Like, that is a promise I can rest in. And I know this doesn't mean that all life will be peachy and I'll never experience any pain, uh, there's this thing in scripture called suffering too but this is the heart of God to protect our souls to protect our hearts and when we trust him he takes care of us at a soul level you read other psalms and you see oh man no life's not all peachy but God is watching over us God is watching over our steps and I love how he says he won't let your foot slip he won't let your foot slip. If you take a risk and you take a step towards him, he will not let your foot slip, right? As long as you just keep your eyes on him. And that's why we can, we can have healthy vulnerability is because we trust in a loving, protective God who's protective over our hearts. And there's no freedom like living in that protection, living in that love of God. There's been a lot of times I've been worried about provision or bills or whatever, but when you live in the protection of God, you know that he's watching out for you. You know that he will provide. And so here's my last point this morning. In Jesus, we not only experience God's protection in community, we also experience his power. And this is what I want to end with. Yes, this church is a safe enough place to take a risk towards community, but there is, are beautiful things that can happen when you step into community. When God can work through community. 
Um, God has designed us to work together as his body. And I want to basically skip down to the, en the end of, um, or Matthew verse, uh, further in Matthew 18, go to verse 20, 18 through 20. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three agree gather in my name, I, there I am with them. And this is the power of community. God moves through us when we're united. God moves through us when we're connected. God moves through us when we get together and we seek God for his agenda. Right? When we say, God, what, what do you want to do with us? What do you want to do with our group? When we get to a level of trust where we're praying together, praying deeply, asking for God to do his will in our lives and in our community, amazing things happen. Like, community is not just supposed to be a pleasant experience. It's supposed to be a powerful experience right? It's not just supposed to be a pleasant experience. It's supposed to be where God's presence shows up, and that is powerful. That is powerful, because what it does, it reminds us that we aren't just a human, that we are the son or daughter of the king of the universe, the king that wants to be at work in our lives, and he does it when we're connected as his family. We'll get to see amazing things. We'll get to see victory in each other's lives, in the community, all sorts of stuff. And so that, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. All right, we're going to pray, and we're gonna, then we're going to take communion this morning. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for your love, and God, how you move. When we get together, when we take steps towards each other, when we make room, when we slow down our busy schedules, and we think of others before ourselves, God, man, you are in that. And Lord, I wasn't in Brazil, but God, if you just give it, us a taste of what that could look like, that would be amazing, God. The, the connectedness of the community, the love, the family, Lord, that, that, uh, that Val experienced, God. We pray, Lord, that you would just move mightily among us. We pray that you would just move in, in, in your power among us, even as we gather today, Lord. Nothing I say today is, is supposed to cheapen this gathering. This is a powerful gathering. Anytime we get together, God, you are moving in our midst. And so we thank you for this opportunity as well. And so we pray, God, that you, as we, as we take steps towards connection, God, that you wouldn't let our foot slip, uh, that we could count on you, that we could learn to trust you, and in, in turn, trust each other. In turn, do a work in our hearts so that we open up to each other, God. Lord, would you gather us together, Lord, so that we can experience more of who you've called us to be. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to close with today is we're going to take communion together. And the way that we take communion together, um, I'm just, I'm just going to share a thought. And then you, as Brian leads us, you are welcome to come forward and take the juice and the bread. If you are gluten-free, the, uh, the, the tin basket here has a uh, gluten-free cracker in it. Um, so, but, but, but what we do, and, and, and also I would say uh, communion is, is intended for those who call themselves Christians. 
Um, but what I wanted to do today is talk about the vulnerability of Jesus, because that's what's reflected in communion. This is Jesus making himself completely vulnerable for us. His body broken, his blood poured out. There was no more vulnerable position to be in than hanging on a cross for all to see his suffering and death. And so Jesus calls us into vulnerability and it's nothing that he doesn't know about. Jesus knows vulnerability. I just wanted to share this from Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 5 starts this way. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Lord Jesus, as we are gathered here today, we, we, we might be wrestling with our own vulnerability, but Lord, we, we can look to you and how vulnerable you made yourself so that we could find forgiveness, so that we could find healing, so that we could experience the love of the Father Lord, you, you did it for the whole world. Lord, you made yourself nothing so that we could experience your love. So, Lord, we remember you as we take the bread and the juice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, church, as, as you feel led, grab bread and juice and, and take it back to your seats, and we'll take communion together in a bit.
This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 11, 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together, church. says in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me let's take the cup together Jesus what I love about communion is that we just simply receive it that we just simply receive your body broken, and that we just simply receive your blood poured out for us, that there's just grace there that we don't understand. So Lord, thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for covering us, Lord. Thank you for restoring relationship with the Father God. Thank you for this great call you've placed on our lives in the name of Jesus who went before us. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we're going to close in one.